a big win for your Kansas City Chiefs. We're back to recap the third straight win for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm so excited. Look, guys, I love this podcast, win or lose, but trust me, it's a lot more fun when we recap a Chiefs victory. We're recapping a third straight victory here on this podcast for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Farzine Vasugian. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Got a great, fun, and exciting show for you guys. A lot to talk about on this episode of the Chiefs Zone. A huge win against the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs finally did it. Finally got that win against Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. It's the first time the Chiefs beat Peyton Manning while playing for the Broncos. It's the second all-time uh, the Chiefs did it once in 2004 on Halloween, uh, so nearly 11 years later, the Chiefs finally get another win against Peyton Manning, and gosh, the way the Chiefs did it, and look, when he was with the Colts, and then, you know, the match matchups the Chiefs had with the Colts in 2007 and 2010, and then the first few times the Chiefs and Broncos played each other w- with Manning as a member of the Denver Broncos, the Chiefs had so many opportunities to beat the Colts and the Broncos, and Peyton Manning always found a way to sneak away and survive, and the Chiefs finally get them this time, uh, and they did it in style, too. Just the way it happened uh, really makes it uh, a sweet win, uh, makes makes it a little more worth the wait. Uh, trust me, it's not worth losing to them so many times, but the Chiefs get a big win, and they do it during a very crucial time when the AFC playoff picture, it's bizarre right now. It really is. And what the Chiefs did, they made Peyton Manning just look discombobulated. That might that might be an understatement, all right? Peyton Manning just looked really bad out there. And the Chiefs did a great job. Peyton Manning has been bad all season, but this is the worst he has looked. We're going to jump into that game in just a moment. Recap the big Chiefs victory on the road against the Denver Broncos. First and foremost, before we do get started on this podcast, I want to give out my condolences, uh, thoughts and prayers to Paris. Uh, Just a really tragic moment over the weekend uh, with what happened. Uh, Just a a scary situation, uh, and I don't want to touch too much on that. I don't want to turn this podcast into something... I don't want to make it a political discussion here. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't even have the right answers. Uh, I don't think anyone does, really, as, as to what should happen, how they should go about it. Uh, obviously, a solution is needed to all of this uh, and things that have happened. Uh, obviously, we've experienced something similar on 9-11. Uh, you know, if you were there in New York City when it all happened uh, or, or in D.C., it's... It, 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 Unfortunately, have not seen something like this in person, but it could happen anywhere, anytime. Uh, look at Boston uh, a couple of years ago. Very scary, and uh, ho- hopefully something's done about it. Uh, I-, I really loved how the NFL had a mo- every NFL game uh, prior to that had a moment of silence, uh, really just a special moment prior to the games. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers did call out uh, a fan who, who I guess blurted something silly, and I, I heard something similar once when I was at the, I think it was the three, four, I think it was the four year anniversary of nine eleven, the Chiefs and the Jets at Arrowhead Stadium. There was a moment of silence, and a Jets fan or a Chiefs fan, part of me, shouted, "Jets suck." He was on the other side of the stadium, 
and everyone heard him. There were a few chuckles here and there, and, and you just don't do that. I mean, and people were really just trying to have a, a moment in, in honor of what had happened at the time four years ago. Uh, so there are always crazy fans who, you know, they have too many drinks and they say something that they regret shortly afterwards. So, uh, props to Aaron Rodgers for, for calling out that fan, uh, because I think, I, I think fans need to be able, I don't know if they can be held accountable, but they should be for, for, for really being idiots. They at least got called out. I, I think that's the best thing that can be done in those situations. Also got a give my thoughts and prayers to Gary Pinkle and the Mizzou football team. Obviously, the Missouri Tigers, if you follow the Missouri Tigers, uh, odds are you probably attended the game at Arrowhead Stadium or at least watched the game. I know it's been really tough for the local college teams, KU, MU, and K-State, but MU really uh, turned the table uh, this this week in an emotional way, too. Uh, for Gary Pinkle, who's uh, been diagnosed with cancer, uh, it will resign after the season. Uh, just so tough to see uh, a guy like this who has done so much for the program. Uh, it's tough. And obviously we can relate to it in a way with what happened with Eric Berry. And his comeback journey has been so great. So big ups to Gary Pinkle and that Mizzou football team getting the win for Coach Pinkle this week. And all the luck. Uh, best wishes to him moving forward. I, I hope he coaches again one day. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if it's possible. A lot of people wondered if that would ever be the case with Eric Berry. And, of course, he came back so quickly. And he's looking great this season, of course. But, um, you know, I'd love to see Gary Pinkle coach football again. Look, a lot of people thought Bill Snyder would never coach again. Eventually came back a few years later. I mean, as old as a guy he is, uh, still came back. And, uh, you know, he's helped K-State uh, at one point, be the number one team in college football. It was in 2012. So, uh, you never know. It'd be a great story if it happens again. If not, uh, at least they're helping him go out on a bang, especially with that big win in Kansas City. A lot of Mizzou fans in the area, a strong contingency of Missouri fans here. So, uh, nice to see Gary Pinkle and the Tigers get a win this past weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. Now, the Chiefs were not at Arrowhead Stadium. They were on the road at Denver. Got a huge Huge win. I, I do want to get into the AFC playoff picture as well as the Chiefs are in it. They are in the hunt in the playoff picture. Real quickly, if you want to get involved and interact with me, do so on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or just search Farzine Vesugian. You guys can look me up on there. Give the Facebook page a like. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, look me up, interact with me, follow me. And uh, let's talk Chiefs football, NFL, or, or, or non-sports topics. I, I'm all for it, so be sure you guys do interact with me on Facebook and Twitter. Now let's get into it. Big game for the Chiefs, and obviously a big special moment for Peyton Manning, or at least in the beginning of it, uh, a special moment for Peyton Manning. Uh, got the record for most passing yards in a career by a quarterback. Uh, shortly after, it, it's really strange, and everyone's already touched on this, how Peyton Manning got the award, uh, or not the award, I guess the record, the honor. They stopped, the NFL uh, did announce before this game that once Peyton Manning did get the four yards that he needed, uh, the NFL uh, demanded that the game would be stopped for just a moment to congratulate Peyton Manning. They actually got the actual football of, of when that play happened, and they have it secured. I don't know if it went to Manning or if it went somewhere else, but they uh, decided to keep that football, and shortly after that, Things go south for Peyton Manning. He already had one interception at that point. He throws three more. The day he gets applauded for that record, he gets showered with booze 
from Denver fans. And it's all because of this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Nine different Chiefs players registered a sack or an interception. Derek Johnson, Jay Howard, and Mike DeVito all had a sack. Jay Howard had a forced fumble to go along with his day. Justin Houston had a pair of sacks. Should have had one more. Let Brock Osweiler slip later when Brock Osweiler did come in when Manning got benched. That made headlines. Still making headlines. As Manning, by the way, uh, announced that uh, uh, an injury in his foot uh, and is out for one game at least. But Justin Houston, yes, did have two sacks in this game. And then you had five different Chiefs players come up with an interception in this game. Ron Parker, Sean Smith, Eric Berry, Josh Manga, and Marcus Peters. Eric Berry's interception came against uh, Brock Osweiler, but he came away with a big INT in the end zone. So, hey, look, red zone turnovers those are huge in the national football league so whether it was a starting quarterback or the backup quarterback who cares as long as you prevent them from getting to the end zone as much as possible that's what matters in the national football league and the chiefs were able to do it five times five interceptions in this game for the chiefs four of them uh coming from peyton manning in this game peyton manning by the way five of 20 passing for 35 yards four interceptions brock osweiler Fourth-year man out of Arizona State. Got the most playing time he's ever had in his career. Went in there and immediately got more stats than Peyton Manning. I'm not going to read his stat line because it doesn't even matter, but did better than Peyton Manning did in this game. I think a lot of people are so sh- I mean, look, if this was... If this was Matt Castle for Brandon Whedon, you know, let's just take those two Cowboys quarterbacks. It doesn't make headlines. It'll make local headlines, a few national, but it's not going to get discussed... And people are not going to just discuss this until night and dawn, over and over again. This is Peyton Manning we are talking about. Arguably one of the best players to ever play in the National Football League. So when you hear the headline, Peyton Manning gets benched for Brock Osweiler. And again, like I said... The uh, the amount of playing time he got in this game, more than he's ever had in his career with the Denver Broncos. All of them as a backup behind Peyton Manning. So when you hear this, you know, it sounds shocking, but this is the right move that Gary Kubiak made. Sure, people are questioning this move because why? It's Peyton Manning. Again, if this was Matt Castle, Brandon Whedon, any other quarterback in the National Football League that's subpar or below average, no one's making a big deal out of this. But Peyton Manning, that's the thing. He's been playing far below. He's the worst quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, you want to talk about records? He could probably go after Brett Favre's interception record. I mean, it could have happened in this game. Who knows? Depending how many he would have thrown if he played the entire game. And if he continues to play the rest of the season, obviously not next week for the Broncos against the Bears. But if Peyton Manning is named the starter when he comes back from injury, I don't know. First of all, that's not even the right move. But if they don't make Peyton Manning the starter, people will still question the move. Why? Because it's Peyton Manning. And I think we've got to understand that at some point, you've just got to move on. If someone's underperforming, You've got to move on. And Peyton Manning has really hurt this football team this season. We talked about how great this defense is for the Broncos. The offense hasn't been rewarding the defense down in Denver. 
And finally, it's catching up to the Broncos where it's it's haunting them. And Peyton Manning, not again, 5 of 20, 35 yards. Obviously uncharacteristic of Peyton Manning, but let's just forget about the fact of what he's done for his career, in his career. Let's just talk about this season because that's what matters the most than anything else. Peyton Manning obviously awful this year. So I think this is the right move for the Broncos to go to Brock Osweiler. So there you have it. The Chiefs uh, just really pushed Peyton Manning around here and there. He was sacked twice in this game. He had a 0.0 rating. That is unheard of. And again, I, I know I said forget about his past, but still, you, when, when you see the 0.0 rating, you can't help but think that it happened to Peyton Manning, a 0.0 rating. That part you still have to consider his past and what he's done and, and how it's falling apart. And I, and I don't want to touch too much on this, but as sports fans, we really are seeing the collapse of two incredible athletes in Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant has really... When Steve Nash and Dwight Howard went to L.A., there was absolutely no way anyone thought L.A. was going to miss the postseason, let alone not get a number one seed. And look at that collapse there in Los Angeles. We're kind of seeing something similar in Denver. Now, Denver's still 7-2 in the in this season. But, again, this was a different regime. The Broncos did start 6-0 in 2009, and next thing you know, they collapsed and missed the postseason and thanks to Jamal Charles, who ran for 259 yards to seal any hope that Denver had of a postseason opportunity. So the Chiefs, you, you, a lot of people, and I was listening to Sirius XM Radio, and the panel there Monday morning thought that the Raiders and the Chiefs could seriously challenge Denver for that AFC West title. Now, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch here. The, the Chiefs and the Raiders, both four and five. Three games, not a lot, but at this point, in the middle of November, seven games left to go. Three games is a lot at this point. You, you, you would obviously need Denver to lose three in a row, and then the Chiefs or the Raiders to win three in a row. And at that point, uh, it goes to the tiebreaker, and you may need another win and another loss from, from Denver uh, at that point, but... Again, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm not going to say it's out of uh, the realm of opportunity because we've seen teams fall apart late in the season after a great start. We saw the Jets do it when they had Brett Favre. We we saw the Broncos do it, like I said, in 2009. That was when Josh McDaniels was in his first year, went 6-0. and Not a good start for the Denver Broncos. Pardon me, not a good finish for the Broncos that season. So are we seeing the Broncos... Basically, basically repeat something they did in 2009. Again, I know it's a different regime, and a lot of the players on that team aren't even with the Broncos anymore. Maybe just a couple of guys. I, I would have to look that up. But for the most part, this Broncos team starting to show signs of that 09 season. We'll get more into the AFC playoff picture later. But for now, as far as this game goes, uh, I mentioned Parker Smith, Barry, Manga, Peters, all great. Uh, with an interception. So uh, really just a, a great day for the defense. Almost tied uh, the uh, game uh, in which the Chiefs had six interceptions in 2011 on the road against the Raiders. Now, we've got to look at the offense. Uh, there were some good and bad 
that went with the offense in this game. Let's start with the good. Zero giveaways from the Chiefs. When you get five takeaways from the uh, from the Broncos, you got to make sure you you equate that with zero giveaways because you do not want to equate it in Denver's favor. You want to equate it in your favor to make sure that you are you're at least taking advantage of those takeaways. Alex Smith, I mentioned zero interceptions, zero fumbles. Alex Smith has thrown 228 passes without an interception this season. That's the best this year in the NFL. That's the second most all-time in franchise history behind Steve DeBerg, who did it in 1990 with, I believe, 232. I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but Alex Smith, I think, had one more game the next week on the road against San Diego. If he goes that entire game without an inter- interception and pl- plays that whole game, then uh, Alex Smith will get the franchise record for that. So that's huge for Alex Smith. Another bit of good news from this game, Cairo Santos, and I said I said bit of good news, that's great news, delivered on five of six field goal attempts against the Broncos. He's 21 of 26 this season. Now I want to touch on the five field goals that he didn't make. In week one against the Texans, he missed a 51-yarder. Against the Chicago Bears, his 27-yard field goal was blocked. That's the first time he missed a field goal below 30 yards. Now, I say miss loosely because it was blocked. And, I mean, look, the offensive line's got to block up front for you. So that way the you, you can have a chance to make that field goal. He also attempted a 66-yard field goal in that game. You may remember that against the, uh, pardon me, the, the Bears. And, uh, look, you can't expect the guy to make a, a, a field goal from that range when no one's ever done it before. So, he had a block and a 66-yard attempt that he didn't come through with. Missed a 54-yarder against the Steelers, and then this past week against the Broncos, missed a 48-yarder. So, the field goals he has missed are from 51, 66, 54, and 48. And then he had a blocked field goal, a short-range field goal that I'm sure he had. Cairo Santos is tied third in the NFL right now with one of the best kickers in the National Football League and Patriots kicker Steven Goskowski, who nailed a nice game-winning field goal against the Giants from 54 yards away. So to have your name that high on the totem pole, that's great for the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs have gone through a lot of kickers. Uh, Justin Medlock, Morton Anderson, Lawrence Tynes, Ryan Suckup, I think he showed some flashes uh, but there are also times where he missed those short-range field goals. I think the one against the Chargers in Week 17 when Chase Daniel filled in for Alex Smith when Andy Reid benched all 22 of his starters. I think that's that was a notable one right there that a lot of Chiefs fans were upset with that he missed. And yes, the Chargers did line up illegally, but the officials missed it. But that that's no excuse to miss such a short field goal still. Now the last piece of good from this game. Shar Kendrick West. I haven't even mentioned his name yet on this podcast. I talk so much about the defense and of course Peyton Manning being the story in this game. But Shar Kendrick West. Give it up to him. 161 yards. Total yards from scrimmage. 69 on the ground and 92 yards in the passing department. Two touchdowns in this game to go along with his field day. Including an 80 yard touchdown catch. To seal the deal. He juked TJ Ward who acted like a complete fool uh, at the end of that play. Trying to fight with Jeremy Macklin. Gets ejected. Rightfully so. And then after the game he called the Chiefs dirty. Which I want to touch on 
later on in the podcast. But Sharkendrick West, 391 yards, four touchdowns in the last three games. The Chiefs are 3-0 in those three games. Sharkendrick West has had 100 yards from scrimmage in each of those three games. Three monster games for West. And you know what? I'll say it right now. Sharkendrick West is your Chiefs MVP so far this season. 100 yards in each of the last three games, and the Chiefs have been undefeated every time he has 100 yards from scrimmage. You need you need players like that. And obviously losing Jamal Charles, he's irreplaceable. You cannot replace Jamal Charles. But you can have guys step up in a big manner and do something. And we are seeing Sharkendrick West do that. So many people were wondering why Niall Davis has been getting few snaps on offense, given the fact he was inactive this past week. And I, I'll admit, I, I was surprised too, because Niall Davis has shown flashes. But look, I, I, I've told people all along, I don't know the answer. I don't know why the Chiefs are seeing uh, more good from West uh, than Davis. I mean, obviously they're seeing something that we're not. But I said it, I, I, if, the, if, if an NFL coach makes this decision, he is making it for a reason. We are seeing that reason. We are finally seeing why Sharkhandrick West is getting more opportunities than Niall Davis. And look, Andy Reid hit a home run here. He made the right move. So it's not, sure, we can question that move, rightfully so, at the time. Right now, what do you have to question? A lot of people thought that Sharkhandrick West would maybe step back a little bit in this game. The complete opposite. He had the best game so far this season. And I'm not, if you haven't caught on yet, get this guy on your fantasy football team. I'm not the best guy to, to ask advice for when it comes to fantasy football. I went up and just made a waiver claim for Shark Hendrick West and for Cairo Santos. So you, 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 you'll probably want to add both those guys. Hey, while we're at it, get that Chiefs defense because the Chiefs don't play a lot of good teams for the remainder of the season, which I also want to get into uh, when we do our AFC playoff picture discussion in just a moment. But... Chuck Hendrick West, you've got to give it up to him. And the Chiefs have had some good luck when it comes to running backs and backups. We saw Priest Holmes, obviously a great running back, owns the franchise record for, or at least he did, own the uh, franchise record for uh, rushing yards in Chiefs history. It, it belongs to Joel Charles now, but when Priest Holmes went out, Larry Johnson came in. Larry Johnson came in, uh, did a lot of great things, even even though it was in a, in a short time span. But his suspensions and in the lack of, I guess, the commitment to his team, that led to his release. Jamal Charles comes in. Jamal Charles is a stud. Uh, this guy at one point was an MVP candidate. In 2013, he led the NFL in total touchdowns. Now with Jamal Charles hurt, Sharkandrick West steps up. And like I said, I, uh, I read the stats already. I'm not going to read them to you again. Even though you love to know that he's at 100-plus total yards of offense in the last three games. Let's face it, we love hearing that stat. Why not? Sharkandrick West now stepping up. So the Chiefs have had some good luck when it comes to new new running backs, backup running backs filling in and becoming the primary guys in the middle of a season. Larry Johnson had to do it in the middle of the season. Jamal Charles stepped up in 2009 in the middle of a season after jo- uh, Johnson was released. And he had the most rushing yards in the second half of that season behind Chris Johnson. And then with Jamal Charles hurt right now, Sharkandrick West goes in there and, and, and makes a lot of noise. So the Chiefs have been kind of fortunate when they've lost running backs, but then they've had guys come in 
and fill in for their shoes. And look, I think we've got to remember something about Jamal Charles, too. As great as he is, we know running backs, they tend to have short-lived careers. Now, Jamal Charles, I think he's definitely exceeded expectations. He's come back from a torn ACL. We'll see what he does coming back from another torn ACL. This is going to be his opposite knee this time. But, uh, you know, Jamal Charles, he's a tough dude. He's 28 years old. He'll he'll turn 29 in December. He's been in the NFL for eight seasons. And the first couple of seasons, he was a backup, wasn't used much. And then in 2010, I, I just feel like Todd Haley really misused Jamal Charles. Uh, gosh, Thomas. Thomas Jones. He had more touches that year than Jamal Charles, which was, uh, to me, that still boggles my mind. And the reason I bring that up is, if Jamal Charles was a starter all eight seasons in the NFL, you know, I think he could have been in the Pro Bowl in each of those years. Obviously, in 2011, he wasn't because of the injury. This year, he'll miss it again as well because of the same injury. But I can't imagine what Jamal's statistics would be had he been a primary running back every single year in the NFL. Now, again... He is 20, 28 years old, as I mentioned. He'll be 29 next season. And I think you have to kind of consider, uh, is Jamal Charles going to take a step back when he returns from injury? And if he is, you can still use Jamal Charles because there are some teams that, and we, we don't see a lot of it. We saw it a couple of years ago quite a bit, and some teams had good luck with it. But the Chiefs could have a nice one-two punch with Sharkandrick West and Jamal Charles. And when it's Jamal Charles' time to step down and, and hang up the cleats... Sharkandrick West is going to be there. And hopefully the Chiefs can lock him up to a long-term deal because you're going to want a guy like that to stay on your football team. If he can continue to do it in a, a, a long period of time and prove that he can be consistent doing it in a bigger window, then you're going to, guess what? Sharkandrick West and his agent, they're, they're going to want to meet with John Dorsey and look, they're going to demand some money and they're going to want a long-term deal. So this is really good news for the Chiefs. And of course, it challenges John Dorsey in a way. But that's a challenge you want. You want to have this kind of talent on your football team and have the opportunity to sign guys like this long term. Sharkandrick West, I can't say enough about this guy. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. He is your MVP this season. When he stepped up, he's helped the Chiefs go on a three-game winning streak. And on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine, or you can search uh, Farzine Vesugian, somebody commented and said, I completely forgot that the Chiefs lost five games this year. It's been a month, a calendar month, since the Chiefs last lost a football game. That's got to feel good. It's been a while, and hopefully it stays that way, because the way things are going right now, the Chiefs really need to make sure they have... They, they, they've got to limit their wins. Now, there was some good in this football game. There was also some bad that, you know, we've got to be honest about this. Uh, you know, you guys know me. I'm a realist. Uh, there was some bad in this football game uh, on the offensive side. Four of 16 on third down. That's uh, not the result you want. Now, fortunately, the defense, they were able to mask that in a, to, to an extent, uh, only allowing three conversions on 14 third down attempts for the Denver Broncos. That forced the Broncos, by the way, to attempt uh, a fourth down three times. They converted twice, and, you know, when you're behind like that, desperate times calls for desperate measures, and 
the Chiefs defense really stood strong on third down, whereas the offense, they didn't do so well. And I get it. The Broncos are a great defense, even without Talib and Demarcus Ware, which I'm sure did play a role in the Chiefs picking up a big win. But that's what you've got to do in the NFL. Like I said before in last week's podcast, injuries are a part of sports. And you can't apologize just because a team is without their two best defensive players. You've got to go out there and, and take advantage of that. And so so much of sports today, and I, I don't think fans realize this, so much of sports today is taking advantage of your opposing team's, the opponent's weakness. That's what you have to do. That's how you win games. So the Chiefs did just that. Now, the Chiefs did get five takeaways. They didn't score much. Off those takeaways, they got the touchdown from Marcus Peters' interception, Sean Smith's interception, and Josh Manga's interception. The Chiefs got a field goal on each of those takeaways right there, after those takeaways, I should say. No points off Ron Parker's interception, which I, real quickly, I mentioned SiriusXM Radio. Ron Parker was on SiriusXM's uh, NFL channel, and they were talking to him about Peyton Manning in the the way he threw the football and Ron Parker, well, the the guys on the show kind of touched on how they noticed, and I and I realized this too the second time I watched the game, the Chiefs didn't go deep a whole, a whole lot with their defensive backs uh, because they were expecting Peyton Manning to underthrow most of his targets. And that's how a lot of uh, the interceptions happened for the Chiefs. So Ron Parker kind of commented on that and just said, you know, he's not really the guy he used to be in this season. He's just underthrown his receivers a lot. And look, he's leading the NFL in interceptions. So if Peyton Manning does come back this season to play another game, opposing defensive coordinators have to look at game film from this Chiefs victory here and basically mimic it. Because you want to have your defensive backs not playing too far away but expecting those underthrown passes, if you do that, Peyton Manning's going to have another 3-4 interception game if he makes it through the whole game. Now, the other interception, that came from Eric Berry. Shortly after that, that's when we saw the 80-yard touchdown pass to West. Uh, and again, uh, I mentioned the bad. Uh, the passing game was quiet until that 80-yarder to Sharkandrick West. We didn't get a whole lot from Travis Kelty and Jeremy Macklin, the key pass catchers on this football team football team also a low-key night from uh, Albert Wilson and Chris Conley guys who have really stepped up for the Chiefs ever since Jamal Charles absence especially during that three-game winning streak that the Chiefs have formed uh, Chris Conley didn't get a catch in this game but Kelsey Macklin and Albert nine catches for 69 yards combined by those three guys not a great game uh, for those guys, but you know what, when the opposing team is not scoring and when you get off to a 29 nothing start like that, like the way the Chiefs did in this football game, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but you want to make sure that it doesn't come back to haunt you, kind of like how the offensive woes for Denver came back to haunt it. So the Chiefs definitely want to make some adjustments. And again, it, it was Charkandrick West's game. I mean, he's the one who had the big game here, but you definitely, when you have Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin and a good supporting cast uh, behind them with 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 uh, Albert Wilson and Chris Conley, you want to be able to have more. Now, DeAnthony Thomas, not a great night for him, uh, but that had four catches for 37 yards. So uh, he was the, the the best pass catcher outside of Shark Hendrick West statistically. 
So, I mean, you take what you, what you want from that, but hopefully the Chiefs can find a way to adjust and uh, do better in that uh, category because you want to get your passing game going, especially with Jamal Charles out. Now, sure, Kendrick West, as I, as I said, he has stepped up a lot too, but y- y- again, you wonder if he can do it in a long period of time too. He, he'll definitely have a down game coming up soon, and you want to have other guys be able to step up as well. Now, sure, Kendrick West, hey, let's all hope this happens. If he's having a good game every single time out there, Let's get other guys to step in and contribute to the success as well, because that will even give you a greater shot at winning. And with the way the defense is playing, if the offense can finally provide that balance that we're still kind of waiting for, the Chiefs are going to dominate teams, and they're going to cruise their way in the second half of the season into a wild card spot. Maybe an AFC West division just kind of depends on what happens with Denver and Brock Osweiler as they hand things uh, to him for at least uh, this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, long-term for the second half of the season. Now, I do want to touch on TJ Ward's comments after the game where Jeremy Macklin went in, kind of blocking him, just keeping him away. Ward jumps on top of him, will push him to the ground, then kind of just sits on top of him, and after the game has the audacity to say that the Chiefs are dirty. That's ironic because Tlaib was suspended for poking Dwayne Allen in the, in the eye just last week. And why did he poke Dwayne Allen in the eye? Well, Dwayne Allen kind of got at it with Von Miller, who tried to start a pushing contest. And by the way, Von Miller, as you remember in week two when he sacked Alex Smith, did that hip thrust, did that obviously a sexual act he wants to showcase. I don't know why he feels the need to do that. Especially when thousands of people are watching, a lot of kids. I mean, is that really how you want to portray yourself? And by the way, I I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but after one of the Alex Smith sacks this past week, Von Miller wouldn't even let go of Alex Smith, and you could see him kind of performing that same sexual act, which is just absolutely absurd. It's inappropriate. I don't know why that's happening. So, that's just, to me... I see these athletes making millions of dollars. I mean, they're they're tabbed as role models. Unless you're Greg Hardy or Von Miller while we're at it. Ray Rice, Larry Johnson, just to name a few. But when you see this from Von Miller, you think to yourself, really? I mean, Von Miller is a hell of a football player. Great, great defensive player. Not a class act guy. In fact, I remember there was the uh, offsides penalty in week two, he still went out there and just drove Alex Smith to the ground. And of course, Von Miller and Travis Kelsey have had some history together past couple of games. And of course, we saw Ja Reed uh, make that illegal hit on Von Miller. Maybe that's what TJ Ward's referring to. Look, we kind of saw this with the Royals with uh, Brett Laurie and the Oakland Athletics and what the Royals did, trying to hit him with the pitch. Kelvin Herrera goes out there. People say it's part of the game, and I strongly disagree. Because I saw the Royals continuously strike out Brett Laurie during that series. The way I kind of see it, and I understand, in football, you want to go out there and lay that guy on his back after all he's done to you and how dirty he's been. But to me in sports, the best retaliation is to go out and win. When you're out there, when when the, the scoreboard is up, you're lighting it up, you've got a big lead, that's when you turn and you look at the guy and say, Hey, what do you have now? I mean, look, everyone trash talks, all right? I mean, they do it. Whether it's by a touchdown dance or if you want to go up and say something to the guy after a play. 
I think that's the best retaliation. Go out there, score some points, which the Chiefs did. And I and, and look, the microphones won't always pick it up, but surely the Chiefs had a few words for Von Miller when it was 29-0. There's no way they didn't. These guys are football players. They trash talk, all right? I'm sure if we were all football players, we'd love to trash talk as well. I mean, everyone does it. So that that's my thoughts. I think it's very hypocritical from T, for TJ Ward to say that, considering the, the, just one point needs to be made. Akib Talib was suspended in that same game. I don't know. You tell me. Kind of similar to Rodney Harrison and what he did calling out Jeff Fisher. Uh, again, I don't want to digress too much, but Rodney Harrison had no room to really call out Jeff Fisher for all that. Considering what he's done, He Rodney Harrison has been voted dirtiest player of the year three times in his career. Great career, but you can't call out a guy when you're guilty of committing the same crime. Now, I want to look at the AFC playoff picture before... I sign off here. The Pats and Bengals undefeated. They've got the one and two seeds right now. The Broncos at number three as the AFC West division leader. The Colts four and five leading the AFC South. A very weak AFC South in which that it's wide open for Houston and Tennessee. Maybe even Jacksonville at this point. Who knows? Now the number five and number six seeds. This is where it gets interesting. We know that the Pats... Bengals, maybe the Broncos. I think it's under a question mark right now. But I think the Broncos do win their division. But those three teams will win their divisions. So the Steelers, who are in the NFC, or part of the AFC North, the Bills in the AFC East, they know that they're going to get into the playoffs by way of wild card. Same with the Jets, who are also in the AFC East with the Bills. Now, the Raiders and the Dolphins, both 4 and 5. Raiders in the AFC West, of course, as we are all familiar with them. And the Dolphins in the East. Again, they they also know the reality that if they want to make it into the postseason, they've got to get one of the two wildcard spots. The Chiefs right now, 4 and 5, like the Raiders and Dolphins. And right now, they are just one game behind a wildcard spot. If things go their way... Which, by the way, the Bills play the the Pats and the Chiefs play the Chargers. And we'll, we'll of course, touch on the Chiefs and Chargers next episode this week when we preview that game. But the Bills are playing the best team in the AFC and the Chiefs are playing the worst team in the AFC. Now, again, there's that trap game comment right there that I'm sure you guys are all thinking about right now as soon as I said that. But that's your opportunity right there if you are the Kansas City Chiefs to really strike and move up to the sixth seed. Just a month ago, Chiefs fans wanted Andy Reid fired. Here you are right now. Chiefs have a shot at moving up to a wild card spot to conclude week 11. That's where the Chiefs are right now. That's how fast things can change in the National Football League. And Ron Parker, I mentioned his interviewer that he had on SiriusXM, he, he, he commented, said the same thing when he was asked about it. Just funny how things can change so quickly. Now, here's the thing. The Chiefs did defeat the Steelers, who got Ben Roethlisberger back. A lot of people were unsure if he'd be able, be able to come back, but he did, filling in for Landry Jones when he got hurt. So the Steelers seem like they're in a really good position to get the five seed in the AFC. But 
on the off chance that the Steelers do fall apart, the Chiefs did defeat the Steelers in a game this year. So if the Chiefs and Steelers are tied and that sixth seed is wide open, the Chiefs get that sixth seed because they beat the Steelers in a head-to-head game. The Chiefs will face the Bills in two weeks here at Arrowhead Stadium. And that's an opportunity for the Chiefs to move ahead in the wild card race. So already you have a win against the Steelers. You still have the Raiders that you've got to play twice. The Chiefs have a great opportunity to really move ahead of the pack. That is how you win the wild card. The Chiefs last year did a great job against AFC teams. The Chiefs had almost every reason to get a wild card spot last year. They went out there, they defeated the Miami Dolphins, got two wins over the Chargers, defeated the Jets, defeated the Bills, fell to the Steelers, but they won so many teams, so many games against AFC teams that were competing for a wild card spot. Like I mentioned, the, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, and when you win. Division games and uh, conference games, that will help your case in tiebreaker situations. So for the Chiefs this season, and looking at their schedule real quickly, which you've got to love if you're a Chiefs fan. When you look at the Chiefs schedule, and I alluded to this briefly last week, the Chiefs don't have many threats on their schedule. You have San Diego this week. I'm going to read the schedule real quickly. I'll I'll read everyone's record. You're going to face San Diego on the road 2-7. You come back home to play Buffalo, 5-4. and four. That's the only team above 500 on Kansas City's schedule for now. That could change with the Raiders, who, by the way, the Chiefs will go visit after Buffalo. The Raiders are 4-5 and five right now. Come back home, and at this point, the Chiefs have four games left, three of them at Arrowhead Stadium. San Diego, as I mentioned, 2-7 and seven right now. Baltimore, uh, the last road game of the regular season for the Chiefs. Baltimore is 2-7. and seven. Maybe... With the way things went this past week with the officiating, could have, should have been 3-6, and six, but still, Baltimore is a bad team nonetheless. The final two games, Cleveland 2-8, and eight, just a disaster team. And then you have Oakland again, and I think the Chiefs do split with Oakland. I think we've underestimated the Raiders so much, and this year, look, the Chiefs have not been able to sweep the Raiders in a season with the exception of 2013 since 2007. So I think we've got to start respecting the Raiders, especially this season with how great they're playing. But there you have it. The Buffalo Bills are the best team on Kansas City's schedule. So this is a great opportunity for the Chiefs. And after a huge, huge win Sunday evening against the Broncos, what reason do we have to feel pessimistic? We have every right to feel optimistic right now with the way the Chiefs are going right at this point. A three-game winning streak, a big win, a statement victory. I said at the end of the last episode, that will be a statement win. And I predicted a Chiefs win as you guys did here on the last podcast. And I said it's going to be a statement game. And that's exactly what it was. The Chiefs showed up. Uh, They beat a Steelers team without Roethlisberger. They beat a bad Lions team who, crazy enough, beat the Packers this past week. So they had to prove themselves against a good football team, and they do it against the Broncos. So here we are now. The Chiefs don't have to face the Broncos again. And the best team you have, it's the Buffalo Bills at 5-4. and four. A great chance for the Chiefs to go on a surge, and uh, they could be in the driver's seat 
to get a wild card spot. And again, depending how things go in the AFC West for the Broncos and Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning, maybe that AFC West might become wide open. You never know. Uh, Look, as I said, things have changed so fast for the Chiefs. Same thing could happen to Denver's season. You never know at this point. I'm still predicting Denver wins the AFC West. But I do, at this point, after that win... Uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic. I think the Chiefs are going to make a wild card clincher. They're going to they're gonna get one of the two spots. I think it's more likely going to be the sixth seed, but I'd rather have the sixth seed than miss the postseason. I know a lot of people are saying, so what? We'll lose in the first round again. I mean, I, 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 see, I feel the pessimism, but I'd rather lose in the first round than not even play in January. I'd rather at least have a shot to play in the postseason. And hopefully you guys would rather play in the postseason than watch all the other 12 teams go at it instead. I'm sure you want to see your Chiefs in the postseason, and and the Chiefs have a great chance with the easy schedule remaining, the remaining seven games for the Chiefs. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone. I'm Farzine Vasugan. Thank you so much for listening to this Chiefs Victory Podcast, this Chiefs Zone, uh, a victory edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. That, That feels good to say. Uh, again, be sure you do like my Facebook page. Look up Farzine Vesugan. You'll find my Facebook page. Give it a like. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Until then, I'll talk to you later this week. <laughs>